0: Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. Every time I do that, my guests think I'm talking to them. Hi, aren't you? I'm not talking to you, Kylie. I'm talking to our audience. Uh,
1: uh Okay. Hey, uh, I'll say hi. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hi. How are you?
1: I mean, I'm. I'm no, I'm well. talking to the audience we still. still. Talk, but they're not, <laughs> they're not, they're not going to talk back. I know. I'm looking right at you. It's, <laughs>
0: it's weird. Um, Kylie Collins. Yeah. Joining me here today. We've known each other a bit, a while. Yeah. How long have you been at Redeemer?
1: Officially since like fall of 2014. Okay. Um,. I mean, we didn't, like, become members right away, but that was when we started coming, like, consistently as an engaged couple, and then... But we had to come probably the year intermittently leading up to that, too. Yeah. Kind of between there, or here, Redeemer, and then Veritas and Iowa City, because that's where I went to college.
0: Right. So, yeah, it's been some life (laughs) stages. I mean, you guys were college students, her and Aaron, her husband, engaged, and then married, and now, you know, starting your careers and multiplying children. Yeah, man. Yeah. You have one daughter. Yeah, she's two. Yeah. Chandler.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a great name. Her hair's getting long.
1: Oh, so long. She's precious. She fights me on pulling it up in a ponytail, so it usually just hangs in her face all day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: it's great. You shave it off like we did to our <laughs> poodle.
1: Yeah. I wonder how much weight she'd lose. Your poodle lost almost a pound.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was like 20% of her weight. Yeah. Um, so, and you have another on the way.
1: Yeah. I'm about halfway through. So we don't know yet, but we'll find out if it's a boy or a girl.
0: Yeah. So Kylie is a nurse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's part of what she does. So uh, we're going to get to that. Topics today include uh, what it what it's like to work, particularly in the in the NICU. Is that yeah. how you say it? Yeah. Tell us what that means.
1: So it stands for Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. So babies. Um, we don't see babies if they've gone home and have been readmitted to the hospital. That They would go to the pediatric unit. But um, if they've been born, whether it's at our hospital or an outside hospital, and they need transferred for more care, then they come to the NICU. Yeah.
0: So, so dealing with precious little fragile lives. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So we'd like, I'd like to talk about that. I mean, I've heard you, well, just talk about that, share about that on social media and stuff. Yeah. And it's obviously a, a big passion. So yeah. be a good window into what you're dealing with. And then the o- other thing I'd like to talk about, and we'll see how much time we have, and is... Uh, Your perspective coming from the medical community with everything going down with uh, coronavirus, COVID, and all that stuff. So, um, And we'll try to push the envelope there a little bit, see if I can't make you mad.
1: Yeah. Make you sin against me. It doesn't take much for me to get passionate, but.
0: Cool. Yeah, it'll be great. (laughs) Um, But before you asked me a a question before the podcast. You asked me if I listened to this. If I go back and listen to it, and I do because I'm looking for uh, highlights and clips and things like that, but I don't generally, but I do listen to podcasts and you ask me what I listen to. Um, so it varies. I listen to some, you know, go-to Christian stuff. Like uh, right now it's Voice of the Martyrs, hmm. which is a really great short 20, 30 minute episodes where they really talk to people on the front lines all over the world who are basically the, the persecuted church. Uh-huh. So that's really um really good just to kind of remind you of
1: <laughs> global mindset <laughs>
0: exactly yeah. and and a suffering mindset like
1: mm.
0: and it, frankly it makes me feel unsaved every time i listen to it i'm like oh my gosh the endurance and the faith these people have um i listened to star talk radio which is uh, i mentioned that i think in this oh yeah i mentioned it in this week's sermon um neil degrasse tyson he's a famous astrophysicist Okay. And so, I mean, it gets crazy. They get into black holes and theoretical physics, and it's just like pushes your mind out. And, you know, I don't yeah. understand. I, I understand enough to follow and enjoy it. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But yeah. it's obviously out of, out of my uh, league in many ways. Um, I listen to Joe Rogan. You know, he's the most listened to podcaster on the planet. The most, he has more. Are you familiar with him?
1: I mean, I'm familiar a little bit, but I okay. don't listen.
0: So he has more reach than anyone on the planet. Like millions of downloads and views, like way more than Fox, CNN. It is scary. But that's also why I listen to him. Because of that reach, he has great guest access. So like Elon Musk, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Bernie Sanders was on there. I mean, you talk about like, Bernie Sanders isn't coming on my podcast. You know what I mean? (laughs) And his guests are all over the place. He may have a comedian on, he may have a politician on, he may have a scientist on, and it's just fascinating stuff. So. And I recently started listening to this guy, uh, Eric Weinstein or Weinstein. It's called The Portal. Really interesting. I like it. He's a he's a de- he's part of what's called the intellectual dark web. If you're familiar with that term, okay. it's a group of say left of center, Democrat leaning people, but who aren't necessarily all the way on the progressive. Okay and so they push against that and so it's really interesting really fresh and he he's kind of a brainiac too sometimes i'm like i don't know what he's talking about either like um, background he i'm trying to remember the guy's name peter thiel is a billionaire that um i don't know exactly what he does this guy works for him he's like his finance manager Hmm. but he's also a scientist like biologist i believe he was, he's what he called himself. Uh, man, what was the word? Uh, a polymath. Uh, which from context seems to mean someone who is, uh, interested and in, I guess fairly, um, adequate. I don't know, at, at many things, okay. right? So he can talk finance, he can talk science, he can talk all kinds of stuff, okay? Right? He's just a generally smart guy, can talk philosophy, political theory, like. Um, so uh, specifically what his training is, I don't know. Uh, but he's, he's got a broad, he's like a generalist. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm on right now. I've got a couple other ones on there. I don't, I don't really remember. So you said on your drive, you listen to some stuff cause you yeah. commute down to work. And
1: mm-hmm. so I listen to, um, I, I have listened to a lot of different stuff, but the three main ones that I listen to, um, keeping it light, the office ladies, uh, have you watched the office?
0: the show yeah yeah, yeah okay. i know the show so yeah.
1: the actress or the actor that plays um pam jenna fisher and then okay. the one that plays angela um angela kinsey they have a podcast and they just like talk through like, like break down each episode and give you like behind the scenes stuff and aaron got me into the office so um those are long like the one i just finished was like an hour and a half yeah so it's like a lot of drives but um it's really fun and we like the show a lot so we get to and they have like different. Um, actors that were on the show onto their podcast. So I listened to that one. Um, I listened to Risen Motherhood. I feel like that's just kind what of... What is like it? Risen Motherhood. Okay. Kind of like a popular Christian one. But um, it's these two ladies. They're out of Ames, Iowa. Um, they're sister-in-laws. And they just talk about the gospel and motherhood. And, what are their names? Um, Emily Jensen and Laura Wiffler. Okay. Yeah, they have a book. Um, they've done a lot of speaking engagements. like They've done stuff at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference okay. and stuff. Okay. Those ones are pretty short, like 20 to 30 minutes. Sometimes they have guests on. I mean, just women-wise beyond their years. Like, it's just really sweet. And then um, I listen to Knowing Faith. Um, it's a podcast out of the Village Church, Matt um, Chandler's. So um, Jen Wilkins on that one, JT English, and Kyle Worley. And they just talk about all sorts of, like, different doctrinal topics. Um,
0: Well, your podcast playlist is way holier than mine. Oh, I'm listening to, like, liberals. office
1: ladies, is it holy?
0: No, that's true. (laughs) But overall, yeah.
1: I don't have as many... I don't think I have as many interests as you do, though. I think you have, like, a wide array of things that are intriguing to you. And I think I'm more narrow in what I find interesting.
0: Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, certainly... Well, and trust, I do. My podcast uh, life tends to be more push the envelope intellectually, like, yeah, just learn yeah. culture and, and, and what everything that's going on out there. Uh, but I also have a light side, but that usually shows up in like Netflix or something. Yeah. I say, like, okay, it's time to just watch something dumb here. And like, yeah. now I'll watch documentaries and stuff. But yeah, I spend a lot of the day, like, when I'm, if I'm mowing or running errands, cleaning the house, like, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, taking in a lot of content, yeah. almost too much. You can't, it's like, what was that podcast about? I don't remember. Yeah. You know, it's just so much information out there it can be just overwhelming. Um, but I think over time, there's like an aggregate effect where you, you know, you're shaped and what you understand and all that. But yeah. certainly couldn't repeat it all. Um, yeah, so I enjoy that. And then, yeah, like I said, sometimes it's time to sit down and just watch a dumb show with your wife. And,
1: yeah.
0: Um, I mean, some... but
1: but your job is like getting in the Word, right? And like you're communing with the Lord as your job. And so I think for people that don't work specifically in ministry, right? Like I have then my podcasts that are going to be more reflective of that.
0: Right. You've got it. It's an opportunity to feed. Yeah. And, and I do some of that. Like I said, uh, with the Voice of the Martyrs, I used to listen to Bible Works podcast, but Bible Works? Uh, Bible Project. Bible Project, yeah. Um, and I may, again, it got a little, I don't know. I just wasn't into it. So, cause, yeah. And I'm so I'm reading the word. I'm reading books about theology. I'm listening to stuff like that. But also, you know, I say as a preacher, my job is to be, uh, in be. I read a book about preaching called "Between Two Worlds," and that's the idea: is that you you've got one foot in the, in in the Bible and that world, and then you've got one foot in the world, not being of the world, but in it and understanding mm-hmm. culture and what people are dealing with. What are the, the pitfalls of the zeitgeist? You know, the the spirit of the age. Where, under and understanding my people, they're listening in in to that stuff too, like. Uh, I want to really understand libertarianism and conservative and the Republicans as distinct from that and progressive politics and social justice movements and all that, like as best I can, um, because that's where my people are. They're out there engaging with that stuff and, uh, I don't want to be ignorant of it. So, and it's just interesting. So, um, cool. So there it is. Now, you know us completely based on our playlists. You know?
1: Yeah, well, if if that's true, I'm more holy than you. You are. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Or maybe you're I less, should... and that's why you need all that input. I'm like, good. Ooh, I'm like, ooh. I'm so holy, I can mm-hmm. handle Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, he just got a. Okay, so I listened to, like I said, some podcasts, and he has not been on Spotify, which I was like, how could you not be on Spotify? And when we found out recently it's because he's been negotiating because he has so much uh, reach. He just got a hundred million dollar contract to be the for Spotify to be the only uh, you know proprietary host of his show. Wow! So I was doing some reading prior to that. His net worth is twenty five million. He's done, I don't know how much you know about him. He's done stand up comedy. He's been on shows like News Radio, Fear Factor. He does UFC commentary. So he's been a you know pretty low level celebrity celebrity, but has you know accumulated some wealth over the years. Twenty five million dollars. Well, he just quadrupled that with this podcast deal and uh that's nuts wow
1: well,
0: joe rogan who would have thought
1: this economy doesn't affect him no or spotify
0: <laughs> well because that stuff's still still churning people are still listening advertisers yeah. are willing to pay yeah. Yeah. so yeah the Nick you. yeah man okay so you first of all there are uh, some people's jobs i meet them and i'm just humbled because uh <laughs> i just realize there's a level of like I don't know. Call it base humanity, or tenderness, or compassion that I I just don't think I have, and uh, or at least in that context that, you know, and nursing is one of those, um, because you're in there like all the time, constant. Like obviously, I have part of my job is compassion as well and dealing with people and their brokenness, um, and you know, and I enjoy that. It's also a challenge, but it's like. Part of the job. I also get to do things like this and, you know, scheme about, you know, um, plan. And I get to, (laughs) I love that, you know, like, (laughs) you know, because the church and the mission is kind of like a chessboard and, you know, like looking at it that way and trying to strategize. I enjoy that. I enjoy teaching, preaching. If I had to 100% of the time do counseling, I I, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I'd be helpful in that. Um, But, like, you're constantly in that. Nurses are constantly in that uh, mode of someone is in in need of some care mm-hmm. to different degrees there's some degree of suffering and you are there as a as a helper you know to help them make com- be be comfortable and thrive and be healthy and feel dignity and so i think it's a really honorable profession and uh that i don't know i would like to think speaks to your heart your desire your care for people so i'm just Buttering you up yeah, here. Yeah, man, I feel no. good. <laughs> yeah. But it is a good thing. You know, it's good to celebrate what's worth celebrating. So let me back up and say and ask the question, when did you, yeah, how did you discover this path toward nursing? Like three years old? I mean. 17? Like when did you know?
1: As long as I can remember. Really? I mean, it, my great grandma, who I'm named after, June, that's my middle name, um, was a nurse. And then she had twin daughters, my grandma and then her twin, both nurses mom's a nurse my aunt's a mm. nurse I've got cousins wow um, and and it was never anything that I felt like pressured into it's not like the family legacy you sure. must be a nurse but yeah uh, I mean just seeing my mom um I was always interested in like the actual medical side of things right like I had if I had friends that would pass out in choir it was like oh Kylie what do, what do we do mm. um and I just liked knowing how to help people I think I think we feel a degree of helplessness when people are sick around us and mm-hmm. um, we don't know what we can do to make them feel better. And so it was always like really cool to feel that I, I could help sometimes and uh, make people feel better. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, I just grew up around it. I mean, my mom stayed home. Like she didn't work past the time. I think I was maybe six or seven. She started staying home full time. So I didn't like see her go to work. Um, but she was still the person in the neighborhood that someone would call if their kid got hurt and, or if their kid was sick and she would just drop everything, you know?
0: Yeah. Sweet. Just kind of the air you breathed. Yeah. Really. Absolutely. Just always around that. Yeah. Um, so before high school even, you knew this or you're planning to, to do that go to yeah. school. Mm-hmm. And um, did you consider doctor versus nurse or you just knew that's you what you wanted to do?
1: I mean, I think a little bit I considered it. Um, my first semester of freshman year of college, they have, um, like any sort of pre medical, uh, major would take a class where they would explore all the different like areas you could go into in healthcare. Um, and so I did some shadowing, you had to do some shadowing. So I shadowed nurses and doctors and probably a couple other things. I just can't remember. Um, and I just liked the nursing side of it. Hmm. I, um, liked being at the bedside. I liked, um getting more hands-on. I liked interacting more with families. I mean, doctors are incredible. I've, I work with some amazing, amazing physicians. Um, my sister-in-law's a physician actually. And like what they do is it's not that they aren't as compassionate or don't care about the patient or the families. Um, I just want to be with them, the patient and the family more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, there's different roles, different parts of the body. Is there a sense in the, in the medical community, of, like doctor is like the higher thing like well you, you couldn't hack it so you became a nurse yeah i is mean that those a...
1: jokes are definitely there yeah. yeah and i think um at least specifically when you're working in a hospital setting in an intensive care setting there has to be a really strong interdisciplinary connection like in communication and respect right it has to go both ways otherwise patient care suffers i mean i'm in an intensive care unit within minutes things change and if you don't feel comfortable communicating with each other and you don't have like a basis of respect, then I mean, yeah, care suffers. Yeah. So I don't sense that at work, um, in the area that I specifically work at, but I've sensed it before working in different areas of the NICU or just in school. Hmm.
0: But. Yeah. You know, there, there may be something to that in terms of like, a. I don't, I'm assuming the training to become a doctor is longer than becoming a nurse oh gosh, or something absolutely. like that. and oh, yeah. So there's some de- degree of rigidity or uh, difficulty that you had to accomplish. But it really is, uh, seems to me like mostly it's about, well, for some people I'm sure it could be vainglory and pursuing prestige and that kind of thing, but... At its best, it's really about what are you designed for? Right. What are your gifts? Where will you thrive? And, um, you know, that applies in all kinds of professions. It applies at church. And I think in the, well, I don't think I know, in the church world, it's kind of this like, well, the best pastor becomes the lead pastor, mm. you know, and the preacher. And it's like, well, no, uh, it depends on what you mean. Um, I think I'm a strong teacher and communicator, and that's going to be conducive to my to my role. Um, but I certainly don't think I'm the best pastor, um, uh, you know, especially you start getting into other, th- like, well, like I said, what about, uh, if pastor, if best pastor is defined as the ability to sit with the broken and, and move them through that over the course of the-, of the long haul, like, I don't think I shine there. It's that's- that's hard. Um, and it's weakness, sin, temperament, gifting, and all that stuff. So it's just certainly not true. It's not true in the medical field. Um, so you had a sense of that going into that you got the opportunity to shadow and really saw, man, I want to be here. I want to be hands-on. And um, and so when did that get focused into the NICU?
1: Yeah. I In nursing school, I was really interested in oncology, so cancer. Um, and I, I love kids, so I just always thought, oh, I'm going to be a kid's cancer nurse. Oh, my
0: gosh, Kylie. Look, look
1: <laughs> I also, as strange it is as it is, I think end-of-life care is like – My favorite aspect of working um, in the medical field. You're insane. I mean, I don't, I mean, sure, you can say that, but
0: Uh, I just love
1: that. I just really do. No,
0: it's great. I've, we haven't had a lot of death at Redeemer. I haven't seen a lot of death in my life just for whatever reason. I have grandparents that have passed, but I didn't know them. You know, just grew up in different countries, frankly, and I didn't know them and haven't had a parent die yet or my wife or kids or. Like a best friend, and then we've had some people at, at church pass, not a lot, but recently we've had that, and, and um, it's certainly difficult. And uh, one of the, one of the, my go-to verses for that context is Ecclesiastes 7:10. It's better to go into the house of mourning than the house of feasting, for this is the end of mankind and the lane. dying the, di- the living will lay it to heart. Um, and it, it, I have to fight to believe that when you're walking into someone's home where someone is about to die or has just died, like, I feel completely unable. I feel able here, I can do this, I can plug the stuff up, ask you questions, but like, that whole end of life thing, like, I, (laughs) and it's it's a good thing to feel unable. I'm not, but it's difficult, and so to, to imagine myself being in a place where I would choose to always be in that context, like, end of life care, if that was your focus, there's people, that's what they're always doing, and to some extent, the NICU is, a mix of that right Mm -hmm. there's kids that don't make it and kids that make it like again I just go (laughs) you're not crazy it's a good thing but there is something uh, it's it's just not like me I guess it's like I'm stunned by that desire
1: yeah
0: why are why do you find end of life care uh, attractive or appealing or whatever word you would want to use for that
1: Uh, I think it's one of the most, if not the most significant part of life here um, for people like it's they when they have experienced death up close. Right. So like I can't know what my babies feel. I, I, don't, I mean, I can look at their vital signs. I can look at how their body moves, but I can't I don't know what they're thinking and experiencing. But I, I, I can know what these parents at the bedside are thinking and experiencing. And that it's the most significant part of their life to watch their baby fight to live. And oh my gosh, and when it becomes apparent that it's not going to be medically possible, not saying that God can't do a thing, God does things. I've yeah. seen that, but from the medical standpoint, when we say we are maxed out, yeah. and we don't believe there, this baby can come back from this, that is like the most significant part of that, that mom and dad's life, like that, that moment right there, that conversation. And
0: are you having those conversations or is the I'm doctor in the conversation? In I'm a- not.
1: Uh, no, I mean, not, I mean, I'm not the one that stands there and tells them yeah. those, that news, but I'm the one that holds them during that news mm. if, if they don't have each other. I mean, sometimes I'm holding them even if they have each other there, right? Like,
0: What do you mean if they don't have like each other? Like if both
1: parents aren't there at the same time mm. to have that conversation. Mm. Um, or if one parent just handles it differently and is mm-hmm. physically a little bit more separated. Mm. And, I mean, I have, like, I've held moms before in the hallways. in in their rooms and to be able to be a part of that, I mean, gosh, it just, it's really humbling and it's really an honor to be able to witness those like really significant intimate moments. Um, And I think obviously very much so figuratively speaking, like in my spiritual walk, those moments where I feel like things are impossible or things are dying, whether that, like when I was struggling with mental illness and anxiety, I mean, just becoming completely undone, and like God showing me that He's in there, in that with me, um, I could have articulated that. God, well, sure, God never leaves you, um, but until I was experiencing, feeling completely alone in my in my anxiety, in my mind trapped in my mind, until I was experiencing that, and then God showing me and it, and making it pr- like apparent that He is with me in that, I just think. That has been what has totally changed my relationship with him and um, how I perceive everything. So I just love to be part of those moments. Um, I want those moments to be as special um, for those families as possible. And it's just like a thing that I love and maybe a gift that I have to be able to speak into that and not be scared to speak or be scared to be silent.
0: Well, I feel like a terrible person. No, don't. Uh, oh, what am I doing with my life? Hmm. Wow. Um. Yeah. How? How long have you been in your current role?
1: Um, four and a half years. I graduated in December of twenty fifteen.
0: And you went into that role, and that's you've stuck mm-hmm. with
1: that. Yeah, I was in school when I like entered the NICU for the first time, and that's I just knew like within the first hour. Yeah.
0: I'm just thinking of, uh, <clears throat> I just got struck by the thought of all those babies in there.
1: Yeah. We have like 80, 80 at a time. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> what has been the long-term like aggregate effect of you being in that for four and a half years? Like, what are you, how are you cha- being changed?
1: Hmm. <sighs> Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I would like to think it's helped me in motherhood specifically, but I I worked in the NICU before I became a mom. I don't have like pre-NICU motherhood and then yeah. post-NICU motherhood, but um, I think it's given me more of a heart for people that are experiencing sickness and death um, and suffering outside of the NICU, right? I mean, it's helped me immensely in conversations with people. Um, I had a lot of fear about, oh my gosh, well, what's gonna happen when it's the first patient that dies, like, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna do? Um, and now now I've, I, I'm, I don't fear entering into those conversations with like friends and family that I have um, and people that I come into contact with. I think it can be really hard to maintain a sense of normalcy outside of work. I mean, I don't, I don't stop thinking about my patients. I think about them all the time. Um, but it's really hard not to let that eat away at me and my marriage and my motherhood. You know, I think it can be easy to see other aspects of life as less significant um, and less important. Um, because i i'd see well this isn't life and death right like why are you so worked up about this i don't yeah, care yeah. um so as much as you say i'm compassionate I, i'm very tempted to then be maybe not as compassionate elsewhere
0: yeah you mentioned something a second ago about knowing what to say or when not to speak and uh i don't know do you have any Advice on that, like what, what that learning curve has been like for you? Because the temptation, I think, is to try to fix things with words. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which um, make, I think those moments feel, make my words feel really powerless. Yeah. And yet you're, the, you're like, well, I feel like I should say something. Shouldn't I say something? is that why I'm here, to say something? <laughs> yeah. I'm just sit, I don't know, like, yeah. Any I, input on that
1: I mean, challenge. Yeah, a, a couple of things come to mind right away. Yeah. Um, I mean, we specifically study empathy in nursing school. Like, it, we specifically study it and talk about it. And it's different from sympathy. Um, like, empathy is is entering into that pain with someone um, and, like, experiencing it with them. Um, versus sympathy is more like, I'm sorry for you type of, right. type of attitude. Um, but there's, like, a two-minute video that we watched about. It's, like, an animated little video about empathy that was really helpful. Um, and it was, like there was like an animal in a hole and like there was someone that was like trying to stay on top of the hole. Like, well, at least you've got all these good things going on. And then there was another animal that entered down into that hole and just sat there. Um, So I think that was a really helpful picture.
0: You send that We'll find that link. Send it to me. We'll share it when we post this.
1: It's really good. It's yeah. It's super short and it's easy to talk with your kids about too.
0: Jesus entered the hole.
1: Yeah, man, he did. He really did. Um, I also think, if you can somehow prevent yourself from going into that with the mindset of trying to make it better, that's what is most helpful. Like when you are walking into a room as a pastor or as any human being, and there's someone dying, or you are going to go speak with a family after someone has died, being able to say in your mind or to yourself, like, I am not making this better. I I cannot make this better. and I'm not going to try. Um, just acknowledging the struggle in it. Um, I mean, even like the NICU babies that I take care of that are just in there for like a week that just need a little bit of antibiotics or needed a little bit of some respiratory support after birth, those moms feel guilty for even being sad that their baby's in the NICU because they look around and see more, the babies that are more sick. And it's just being able to validate like, but you still are grieving the loss of your birth experience. You are still grieving the loss of your child being able to be on your chest and nursing at any moment or whatever they, whatever they're experiencing, you know, not being, when they get discharged, their baby is not discharged with them. So being able to validate like the hardship kind of in every circumstance um, is, is helpful. And I think you can also be grateful and mourning at the same time.
0: Yeah. How often this I guess a crass question, but how often does a baby die there?
1: <laughs> I don't know why I just a little chuckled. That was weird. I shouldn't have. Oh, chuckled. because I had <laughs>
0: said it was a crass question.
1: Um, it comes in waves, just Yeah. I mean then the NICU specifically, like neonatal medicine, is one of the newest fields. It's one of the least studied I mean, before the 1990s, we didn't have this medication that can help open the lungs after birth. So even like that medication has saved, Hmm. yeah, the innumerable amounts of lives. So I don't know. I think it's come so far and we, we really can do a lot. We can do a lot sometimes more than we as nurses feel like we should be doing, right? You get to this point where you're like. Oh, gosh, should we even be doing anything anymore? But I don't know. Comes in waves. Yeah.
0: Um, Particularly, you know, there's a general aspect of, uh, you know, you being a nurse and a human and working in that context. But then there's the, you know, the fact that you're Christian and the gospel Christian worldview, like, there, yeah, how how does that impact your work Mm -hmm. or your perspective?
1: Yeah, I. The I mean, the gospel changes everything, um, and when it's when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and when you've experienced that in hardship and in suffering, that that impacts how you see other hardship and other suffering. So, um, I, I'm just able to see more purpose. I think in in the NICU, I'm. I'm able to acknowledge that there is hurt and suffering, and they, because the gospel doesn't cover the hurt and suffering up. Like, the gospel doesn't say that there isn't pain. Um, The most beautiful thing in the world came from the most horrific tragedy, Jesus' death on the cross. It's this, like, mixture of beauty and suffering of, of all of that. And so I'm able to see, like, this, the NICU is like a real life example it doesn't contradict the gospel it doesn't contradict the the lord um it's all a shadow everything points to him so i think it it really helps me just to see it in that in that context um and i i mean i would i would hope i would i would say this and i would hope it to be true that because of what the lord has done in my heart i am, am more a compassionate person than i used to be so i I can care for people, for my coworkers, for my patients, for their, their parents better, I think. Um, I, I think I heard a quote one time that more prayers are said inside the walls of the hospital than anywhere else in the world, mm. and I think it's the mom- those moments that people are the most willing to, to think on Christianity, to think on the Lord, to think on the gospel. Because they're at the end of themselves. They can't do anything anymore. Um, and so I get to have those conversations. I,
0: yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, what does the ministry of the word look like there? Like, it. Um, yeah, some places it's just going to depend. Some places like you're not talking to anyone; you're locked up in this, you know, room with a machine. You're not there's zero gospel opportunity. Some places you're mixing up with people a lot more, like you are, but maybe there's some strict regulations about that kind of thing. Like, yeah, what is that culture like where where you work?
1: Yeah, um, honestly, I don't I don't work with very many Christians. I mean, just point blank, like there are some people that are adamantly like against it. And there are some people that are just like, meh, whatever. I don't really have a feeling either way. There are very few people that I work with that are believers. Um, But I am still somehow known as (laughs) like, oh, that's the Christian girl. Or like people will come and ask me questions and they'll talk to me and they'll be like, how do you navigate this? Or like, "Uh, what do you think about this? My family wants my kid to be baptized and I don't want that. Like, what do you think? Or... Like, hey, I've been, like, thinking about these things more. Can we talk about it? I think, I mean, people just know that that's who I am. Um, so that helps, like, on the coworker side of things. But on, like, the patient family side of things, I just am, like, constantly looking for subtle clues on is this something someone maybe would be willing to talk about, right? Like,
0: people, It's not against policy?
1: No. Um, not at all. I mean, we have a chaplain that walks around. And chaplains aren't Christians. They're just spiritual Mm-hmm. Advisors of some sort, but yeah, I mean, sorcerers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, we Just have an joke. aspect. We have an aspect of work like that. So, I mean, it's definitely something I can talk about.
0: Yeah, that's good. You mentioned uh, your your coworkers. I have two follow up questions on that. One, come to you with questions. I've I've experienced that. uh, You know, in other work contexts be- before this. Um, I've I've had both experiences where I'm like uh, nobody wants to talk to me about this, and people do. Why do you why do you think that is? Why are people coming to you? Because um, that's really different than what maybe what people imagine is uh, the gospel at work is like you're constantly wedging in, like aha, let me get this, and, you know, and even in the most wise and gracious ways, like you're always looking to to wedge in and get in a conversation and turn the conversation. But you're describing people coming to you with. Uh, questions com- you know looking for input uh, why do you think that's happening
1: I think in one aspect just because I've been open about it in the past okay, um, so they know and I mean social media helps I mean I'm friends with them on social sure. media they see what I share yeah. so I think that that helps that um, I don't know man maybe a nudge of the spirit I, yeah that's what I mean that's what I hope for I I hope for that
0: yeah that's good. What do you think? Well, I don't know about your experience, uh, but in general, what I saw was uh, when I first started working at this restaurant, in California, I was really hot on like, man, I was really hot on philosophy and all this stuff, and I and I, it was a stage in my life where I, all the worldview stuff was really coming together, and I was like, aha, like I can really undermine people's worldview. Like, what do you believe? Oh, I'll tear that down real quick, and and there and then. You know, my mind was like, I can show the the inv- inv- invalidity of your worldview, and therefore now make room for the gospel. And I was just, I was just an assaulter, and it wasn't good. And <laughs> literally, at one point, this guy goes, "You know what? You're too much." Like I was chasing him around the restaurant, like, you know, instead of waiting my tables, and um, and I heard that as from the Lord, and I was like, "Wow!" And so I shut up for a long time. I just started mm-hmm. shutting up. And I, what I did start realizing though is that as I just behaved like a human and treated people with dignity, and, and they knew what I believed, because I had a real obvious, I mean, I went to seminary, and I had already come out of the closet as a, as a Christian and preparing to be a pastor, so people knew that, and, um, but as I spent time there and just treated people like humans, it just became part of the natural conversation. Eventually, you know, eventually, a manager would come to me and say, hey, can I talk to you in the office, and her dad is dying, and mm-hmm. so these things come up. You know, and so I'm not saying we never look for opportunities to open conversations. I just think there's also this whole aspect we don't realize that if we actually just engage with people, build relationships, yeah um, these things will come up. so my guess is that's probably to some extent what's happened is that um you don't seem like this aloof, distant, weird spiritual person. they may know that about you and because of what they know about you, but their interaction with you is just kind of natural and normal, and you laugh and you work and you cry and there's all these things that are happening and therefore these things are going to be that that open relationship is going to open uh that as well that's that's my guess is that's to some extent what's happening with you
1: yeah i wrestle with with this a lot i i think it was you maybe in the sermon that had said like you opening the door for someone it they're not going to deduce like jesus died on the cross for your sins and like you can be saved and And so like wrestling with, okay, so how much do, how much do I try to speak gospel truth or how much do I like live by action? I mean, yeah, Yeah. that's, it's just like a wrestling constant, like.
0: Well, even when you're at work, you're trying to, there's other things here. It's like kind (laughs) of literally, I just wasn't doing my job because this guy had a point. It was an invalid point. I wanted to tell him he's over there at the, at the, uh whatever the uh, computer type and stuff fan I'm like oh. I walk over and I go hey here's what you need to consider and he's like dude you need to back off and I was like oh yeah wait a minute I actually have a job to do <laughs> I'm more concerned now with chasing this yeah, guy yeah. and winning yeah. in an argument than yeah. my like, table needs a refill and so yeah. that's another part of this and uh, I know a guy who said I make sure that every, every conversation I have everyone I meet knows I'm a Christian within like five seconds or something like that and I was like alright yeah. well that works for him <laughs> I guess I don't know if it works yeah. for him but yeah. that to me seems like a bit much Oh, what was the other thing about you mentioned friends at work?
1: I know, you said you had two questions.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I talked too long. Yeah,
1: me too.
0: Um, But yeah, they were coming to you. Oh, you said you don't work with a lot of Christians. Why do you think that is?
1: I mean, this will will probably be a little bridge into coronavirus, I think. Um, I think a lot of people can see spirituality in general and science as two separate things that you can't have any overlap or can't have any mixture of. Um, And I think if, if, especially if you are getting your medical degree or you're pursuing like a doctorate, you are like studying things for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're studying, you're studying science. And so I think it can raise a lot of questions. And if, um, if you don't, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord that will help you see how things can be connected. Or if you don't have anyone that you can talk to about it, it just becomes like, Oh, well it's either it's it's science or Mm -hmm. it's not. And so I think that can be part of it for sure. I also think I'm growing up in a generation of people that it's not like cool to go to church anymore. It's not, it's not a thing you do. It was a thing our parents did. I go to church every Sunday and then it's not a thing that happens anymore. And so I don't, People don't even like try to claim it, and I think I think, yeah. I think uh, previous generations would claim it just as like, yeah, you go to church, it's a thing you do, yeah, you believe in God, yeah. But like, did they actually? I don't know. They actually had relationships right. with the Lord, but
0: yeah, it's because so there's a couple factors there. Number one, just the general culture is going to be less conducive to people aligning with that, and then the 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 pursuit of science acting as a filter. Even though, I mean, I don't know how much I want to get into that today. I'm making. There's tons of books and other stuff I can recommend about the relationship between God and science, and let's just say God made science that it's gonna yeah. sum up my views on it that um, sounds mine too. Um, but yeah, there's this perception yeah even in the way that people talk in the media about uh, well yeah, you either you're a science denier if you're a Christian or if you're on the right or something like that and and I certainly think that that's some people mm-hmm. um and but man, these things are just really complicated. Um, why, why did you say this would be, this would be a transition into the like, coronavirus conversation?
1: Um, from what I have seen on social media, so that's a very small picture, I think, but from what I have seen, I see my friends from healthcare in one category, who not many of them are believers, and then I see my believing brothers and sisters in another category pushing for opposite things. And so I think that's, that's just kind of what I was... Especially around the coronavirus right now. Yeah. like That's what I mean specifically.
0: Now there's exceptions, but generally the, the, the stats are playing out that way. That more conservative Christian type people are going to be more suspicious uh, and resistant to... Um, the The authorities' perspective on the virus and the reaction to it, right? And that's yeah. that's going to vary. And there's a lot of people that are really nuanced, and a lot of people that aren't. And um, but yeah, that, that bears out in the statistics beyond social media just articles about and studies about that stuff. Um, so you see that tension, you see that playing out. Um, let's take let's just actually talk examples. Let's talk masks. You're not wearing a mask. I'm not
1: wearing a mask. I was wondering if
0: you're going to wear a mask over here. I have
1: one. I do have one. Yeah, as long as you have one. Yeah. You
0: know? It's like having a Bible. You don't need to open it. It's there. It's on the yes. shelf. It's
1: there. I can I can learn from it.
0: So so masks um, would be, you know, that's becoming like a really, uh, what do you call it, clear, visible, <laughs> uh, decisive issue, divisive issue in our culture, right? It's like it can be as much, uh, not for everyone, but it could be in a lot of ways seen as a virtue signal like this is do you care about people you wear a mask oh you don't wear a mask you don't believe science you don't care about people you want them to die and this is like the <laughs> right. the worst simplification right. oversimplification <laughs> yeah. of that but that's where well, these things go yeah. you know and they become that but the the point is that there's a there's a, a, a cultural it's a cultural issue people have different perspectives on it and and some of them are really ignorant and some of them are more more nuanced um, some places have made laws. You no, know, statewide. If you go outside, you wear a mask. I think that's the case in Hawaii. No, Hawaii. Any place you go into, you have to wear masks. I've seen
1: it more like businesses specifically have made their rules,
0: right? Like well, depends. So yeah, here it's 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 up to the individual businesses. But in Illinois, I'm pretty sure. And we didn't, we just drove to Ohio and drove back and we were unaware of this. We're just like at the gas station in Illinois, just walking around out, mask on. Aubrey was getting some hate face and I was like, oh, I think it's the law here. Like, I think it's literally statewide law. Mm. So there's different degrees of regulation, different degrees of uh, perspective on how effective they are. Um, So you sent, you sent me, I I think part of the challenge here, so I would call myself nuanced. I think I'm intelligent, smart, and nuanced. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm just a... An idiot who believes in everything I read, um, but I had sent you an article uh, from the CDC. It was citing some studies about how masks don't work. So in influenza, what's up? It was
1: influenza. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is not influenza. Right, right. So the point is, is there? <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, and you had said, well, here's a here's a study from. Um, and It was an actual peer peer reviewed study and I kind of went through it quickly. I don't we got some part of the issue is we ain't got time for that. I
1: mean, that's like 30 some pages, right?
0: yeah, man. Um, yeah. so you know, the question is, is, it you know, is it a fair question? Do you th- right? So it's the article was about influenza, um, and it's from the CDC. And so, do you think it's as simple as that as saying, Well, that's influenza? Like, is there no analog between viruses like? you know, like if here's how viruses generally travel and are transmitted and here's their general size and, you know, like if I have a, in my mind, it seems to be like a strong analog between those two things. Yeah, it's not, it's not influenza, but it's also not, you know, getting bludgeoned, you know, or something in a car accident. Like it's really (laughs) different. You're talking about viral things that, that respiratory respiratory illness that cause, like, would you say there's just zero analog there and it would be foolish to... No. And so that's why I look at that and go, okay, this... I, I do think it needs to be... There's not a 100% analog, right? Right. But there's not zero analog. So I think that's what makes it difficult is that, yeah, I might just be reading some post by some gun-toting, redneck friend of mine that goes, masks don't work. And I go, yeah, masks don't work. You know, that's a really silly approach. But then if I read this thing from the CDC, are they reliable? Are they credible? There's things that I'm trying to say, like, I could be suspect of masks effectiveness without necessarily just being, like, um, quick. You know, I'm trying to do my best to read things. Um, And I think that's the challenge, is that not, not everybody's doing that. Not everybody's trying to be uh thorough and what they're reading
1: but why are i think that's what i come back down to is like why are we why does everyone feel that we need to do our own research into this say that again why does everyone feel that that we have to do our own research into
0: this because experts disagree let me are you familiar did you see the uh video from dr fauci where he said don't wear masks no really so two months ago he was saying masks don't work
1: he's talking about fabric masks or whatever
0: what. he was just saying they don't work he was saying all, when they were like people need to wear masks and he was saying we could I, I can pull it up i mean
1: i know that fabric masks are not as effective like i know that that was a thing for a while like uh saint luke's up here in mercy were accepting fabric masks that people were making from home for their healthcare workers and the university was like no nah, man we're not accepting these for our healthcare workers they don't work but then <laughs> a couple weeks later we're wearing fabric masks at work. I mean, now, now I get surgical masks at work, but yeah, it,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. It's really complicated. Things so are when changing
1: you- all the time, and it is confusing. Say that again? Things are changing all the time. All the time. There's like, but it's a novel virus, right? Like we think we know one thing, and then we see something else. And without actually having time to like conduct research on it, we're saying these things could be correlated. These things actually could be, this could be a causation, not just a simultaneous event, some one thing could be causing the other maybe we should change what we're doing
0: i think and that's where you you know you ask the question what how'd you phrase it why do people think they need to research this for themselves is because i mean you just poked a big hole in the expert ar- argument like like well things change like well so let me when do i believe you mm, yeah do i believe you last tuesday do I well thing and it, it, and again it's not necessarily like the worst take you can take on this is like you know, the the the, the medical community is a lying fraud. They're out to get us. And I could see when people talk that way, well, that would be highly insulting and uh, undignifying. I mean, also but,
1: just not true.
0: Right. Well. <laughs> like, no,
1: no, but but like that the medical community as a whole is out to get people. Right. That's not true. Right. There's corruption within exactly. the medical community. There's, right. there's and that that's, happening. But
0: Right. And so where do you see that happening?
1: Where do I see the corruption happening? I mean, they're... It's been I've have seen I've seen doctors or and scientists say these things that are not true that have already been debunked and things that the majority at least of experts are saying that is that's actually not true. Here's the list of studies to support that. I
0: I think that's yeah that's part of why it's it's really di- difficult like.
1: Well, you see that they they have a doctor and their their title right their title is doctor right. I mean there was that the video of those like two physicians from somewhere. Well, yeah, them, yeah, yeah. one of them wasn't yeah, even board certified. That. One of them wasn't even board certified. I mean,
0: so, like, like, well. So, yeah, so the, here we get into the, the the real challenges. It's just really confusing. Like, let me just ask you simply, should we trust doctors?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, then they're going to say these guys are doctors.
1: Yeah. Right, right.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you go, "Well, not them." Okay. Who? Which which ones? And and that's what I'm saying. It's just not it's difficult, especially mm-hmm. when you you're bombarded with all kinds of stuff. And this is where I think Long-term, long-form uh, conversations are helpful. And I'm I'm fine with social media posts. I obviously do it. And I just think that there's inherent weakness in it. Um, and when we can sit and go, well, you're saying we should just trust doctors? I mean, you literally just went, well, I think that would be really helpful for someone to, to hear. And then it, it, I think it grants their, maybe they're overreacting, maybe they're under-preparing, um, but they're not completely insane to think that not all experts should be trusted. you know. And I think that's if you say trust the experts, it's like, well, I don't know about that. Or if you say every expert is out to get you, it's like, oh, gosh, these are just really polarized positions that aren't yeah. helping anyone. And so the only other way to do it is to move forward with tons of uh, nuance and trying to do our best to stay on top of the issues. and And it's really... It's really difficult. It's really hard. Um, so why aren't you wearing a mask?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I wear masks when I, go, when, I, when I do go out in public. I wear, it at, I wear it at work. I wear it when I go through the drive-thru.
0: So I, somehow I've, I didn't fall into that category of
1: I need protected. Well, I also figured we weren't going to be speaking like directly into each other. I mean, we have this microphone in the middle of us. Not that it's really okay. that effective but i uh, that's what that's what i was thinking of this morning um and that's why i brought it anyway because i just wanted to yeah, yeah. see how i felt,
0: or is it but, yeah is it maybe because you thought the the expectation wasn't there for me
1: yeah i think that's part of it too
0: like that guy's a nut job he doesn't think these yeah. things work anyway
1: <laughs> i don't think you're a nut job but no i mean i know that you haven't been wearing a mask
0: yeah for let the me, most part at least one of the things i like to talk about is yeah just the challenge of like who has credibility so like i sent you some article and i said hey read this or let's talk about this oops and you said um
1: are you gonna read word for word word what i said
0: no but generally (laughs) generally i think you were undercutting the validity of it because when you made a post recently about basically stop sharing stuff that's not peer-reviewed studies or something like that like that's a pretty, I think that's a tough, and maybe it's right, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it. It's almost like um, it, it kind of comes across like no one's allowed to talk except people that,
1: hmm.
0: or the only actual form of communication is peer-reviewed study. So like, let me ask you, if you read a peer-reviewed study, are you allowed to discuss it, or at that point, are you a second source that's not to be trusted? <laughs> and if, can you write it down, and if you write it down and publish it, you know, I I, I kind of felt that way. I mean, maybe that's not how you mean it, but it, it comes like, oh, that guy's no articles. No one's opinions matter except peer review studies. Like and maybe I'm mistaking, like misreading, like how you're saying that stuff. It seems like uh, an, a really difficult standard for everyone to abide by when they don't have access to them. They don't even know how to read them. There's like symbology in there, <laughs> you know, am, am I misreading what you're saying there?
1: I mean, no, I I guess. I I think that's pretty accurate. Um, I just think like everything that, okay, not everything. Most things that the medical community do, it's based off of years and years of research. And things have changed in medicine. But we live in this short lifespan where we don't see how things are different from the early 1900s. To now, like medicine, we have said before. I mean, take safe sleep. Whatever, if you don't believe safe sleep, that's a thing. But
0: like, did you say safe sleep? Yes. Yeah, I don't even sleep. know what that is
1: for like infants.
0: Like, what's the best way for them to sleep? Yeah,
1: what's like, what does the American Academy of Pediatrics okay. say as the safest way for an infant to sleep? My mom said when she had each of us three kids, they had it was different each time. Okay, so like, right, things change in the medical field, and and I just the only people that like are trained to know how to how to research that how to how to take one thing that we are doing and research it the only people that are trained to do that the only people that are trained to understand the actual research and like the links they go to are the people that are trained in that so it's just i'm not trained in that i have a very 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 maybe this much more knowledge than the average person just because i I learned a little bit about that in school and I'm around it uh, at work, but I mean, I am not, uh, that research article that I sent you, I I could understand a little bit of the gist of it, but like beyond that, it's like, it's totally rubbish to me. I had no idea, but I think it comes down to, I trust the medical There's a
0: general posture of trust, right? There's a general posture of trust. I think it's different. Yeah. And I think... Let me let me nuance it this way too. I think when I walk into a hospital there's a gen, genuine a general posture of trust. And I've never I haven't had one experience where I thought some doctor or nurse was trying out to manipulate. So I think that's I think part of what's difficult here is that there's um there's the government medical right. community which to me and does inter, um, bring in a layer of suspicion. Like Dr. Fauci is a a uh, politician now like yeah. the the political powers that be don't bring him in the, they're in the business of spin and control yeah they're not gonna just say well let him say whatever he wants absolutely he would not have access to the their microphones unless he was helpful to their cause that's what i would say this is not a pure endeavor um so i think for me i'm i'm more comfortable saying mm, the higher level of government and control and uh because they had they're balancing a lot of things like public opinion uh uh what's that
1: Re- i mean yeah re-election oh
0: that. all kinds yeah. of stuff and and i go okay so when I think that's maybe part of the nuance here, when someone says, "Oh, you can't trust the experts," they might mean they might not mean you. And I think maybe sometimes, would you feel like you receive it personally? Sometimes, like hey, I'm in there doing the stuff, caring for people, freaking entering in with people and crying and empathizing, and you're calling into question my whole entire profession. Like I yeah. could see that being really insulting. And again, this is where nuance comes in. I, I'm guessing, that's not what most people mean. They don't mean you or the, they might mean the administration, you know, how they chalk up deaths because of the budget. I'm sure you're familiar with that issue, right? Whether or not um, that happens or not, I don't know. Um, But I don't think they mean you, you know, and that's really hard to sort through that. But I would agree with that. I have a general trust to general, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. There's people that are more suspicious than I am. Like, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. We vaccinate all our kids. But I do when they
1: can't believe you just brought that up.
0: Well, let me. Well, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I will tell you this. I get I've never been more nervous about a vaccine than now. Why? Because this whole idea of like the government is possibly going to require everyone to have this vaccination that was developed really quickly. And and uh, and if you don't, you don't get to go anywhere. And I'm like, oh, that seems a little scary you know does that seem scary at all
1: if that were true
0: yeah if that were if that were true and that's you know and and i don't but know we've if it's never
1: true. See, like, we have in the in history we we have not, not Required seen that. that before so why are we sure we can like sit and think about that and be skeptical that like maybe that maybe they'll do this but instead it's turning into they're going to do this <laughs> yeah and it's not uh, it's not accurate.
0: you don't think it's it's a uh, highly probable.
1: No, yeah. I mean even these like stay-at-home orders, no one was like actually arrested for. I mean, I mean, okay, maybe there maybe there were some cases. There's a
0: handful of people who've been arrested for opening their businesses and things like that.
1: But like for people, people were saying like you shouldn't be going to see your family members. People were seeing their family members, and I mean, yeah, you can't like enforce things like that really all the way down to it. Like I don't, they can't.
0: Well, you could. It'd have to get pretty.
1: They don't have manpower to do that. I don't think they have enough manpower to do that. Well, you just sit outside of everyone's house. Don't leave.
0: Well, certainly you're familiar with totalitarian regimes and how they take over. Really, I mean, the history of Cuba, Venezuela. Yeah, that's true. It can, ha- and that's the thing is like, is that going to happen here? Hmm, I don't know. But let's not be naive.
1: That's true. Okay. It can happen. Yeah.
0: So, and I think that's you know people look historically and they go. These are the things that have happened leading up to these things like, you know, gun regulation and things like... And it gets... It gets a... You know, and you can look at some of the patterns, you know, in, in the government and you go, hmm, I don't know if this is coming. You know, at the end of the day, I don't sit there a lot. You know, I read stuff and engage with people. And I just got to move on with my life. I can't sit there. I'm not going to prep. I'm not going to stuff my basement with water and cans and, mm-hmm. and bullets. like. But I also believe... I mean, did you hear Nick Camacho's podcast on the fighting words? I didn't. There's a clip, at least. So his experience in Cuba was it was a free market society. His grandpa was a business owner. His grandma was a stay at home mom. Uh, Castro regime came in, took over, took his business, made made her go out and work in the fields and become a milk cows all day like this stuff, and it happens like that, you know. Suddenly, some revolutionary guard rises up and. Yeah. And then you see more, uh, more and more people on the progressive side of the left pushing for, no, straight up saying. Now I have friends, Facebook friends, that are like, "No man, we got to overthrow capitalism. It's the enemy. Like we need to usher in the new communist state." And it's like, and then some people that talk like that, AOC, shout, you know, repeats a lot of those talking points. You're like, oh, again, are they going to do that? I don't know. Um but I can see why people some people would go, Oh gosh, this is not looking good, you know? Um let me ask you oh oh hold on, I want to ask you this. Okay, so I sent you this article, which it's funny, you responded with a, a little meme that basically said like I don't know, top top ten things of how an article is terrible and it was like six things you need to know, right? Like yeah. so I said we've been lied to. Um Six facts that change everything we need to know, and I'm not going to go through all these. It's more the the journal you know you go through there and he's you know he talks about the shocking inflation of covid nineteen death numbers, so like actually i mean this is out there being not disputed reported that that states have adjusted their death numbers, yeah right um,
1: i I think, yeah, I, yeah, think go ahead. I think where, you, where where we end with that though is like the motives behind- so there are very few like I, I mean i guess this is just as a belief that i hold i suppose okay. but like there are very few like practicing like um doctors that are that are purposefully trying to skew things into right. harm i'm sure that there are people that are maybe frustrated that this hasn't been as devastating as of a virus as it has been like the death toll it was it's it's way less than what we expected it to be than what we said it was going to be the experts the, yeah i mean just with and which is why i i think so we've we've said okay we're gonna social distance because we don't, we don't want it to be like this it hasn't been like this so i think some people maybe are frustrated like ah oh, no one's gonna believe us now maybe there are there are some people out there that specifically were like i'm just gonna label every death certificate it's covid whatever i don't care I don't think that's really happening that often, but I think the criteria for labeling death certificates has been like changing throughout this, and yeah. I, I think doctors have really been trying to. I don't know how to code this. How am I supposed to code this? Yeah. Like, I think I think that's what's more of hap- what's that's yeah. that's the motive behind uh, behind a lot of that. I guess.
0: So yeah. So again, there's there's different reasons to be suspect. One is people are wicked. The other is just the just we're just unable. So. Um, yeah, so the worst way to paint this is doctors just want money. If they'll get more insurance, if they code this this way, or they want to, you know, government wants to control us and they're making them do this. Like, that's a really sinister way to do it, to view it. A less sinister way is just, it's just hard. How do we code this? What's really going on? And it's, but, but it's still subject to, um, suspicion, you know yeah. because there's a lot of error like and maybe i'm i'm let me share something tell me what i'm missing here so i i feel like feel like we don't know the death rate
1: yeah i would agree
0: so we we don't know the denominator mm-hmm. and we don't know the numerator like mm-hmm. you would fail a biology class yeah. with that level of information yeah and yet that is what's being told to everyone on the media from the from the politicians this is here's the every day they put the numbers out there. These are the numbers, and I'm going with my mildly scientific mind, but those aren't the numbers, right? These are false numbers, right? And yet, based on those numbers, you're going to enact the most widespread global policy that has ever. I just look at that, and go, I don't need a, a peer reviewed study to go, this is not good. <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe they're maybe we need to err on the side of caution, and maybe that's the thing, like, hey, you don't know, so let's err on the side of caution and be careful. Um, maybe, but can you see why I would look at that and go, I'm kind of suspect about this. Then you don't even know the number. You don't know either part of the equation. You don't know how many people have it. You don't know how many people have had it. Yeah. And yet, yet your reaction is, is very strong. You can make very, very strong decisions from a very, very shaky foundation. Like, how do you think through that?
1: Yeah. I mean, just from like my, my personal experience with people in the medical field, like when we, we talk about this all the time at work, like every day what we are doing, our policies are changing. So we talk about this at work and the like the physicians and the nurses that I'm speaking with are so frustrated at the administration. So I think like I think what what's what's happening is is people are saying, OK, well, science and the government are on one side. And everyone else is on the other side. When like science and the government have have really been at, at odds, I, I think through this, and that's what people are thinking. I mean, we would know numbers. One we'll
0: throw matter. the media in there too, we, right? Yes, There's all yes, kinds yes, of yes, factors, yes. yeah.
1: And I and I think that which
0: is in the government's pocket.
1: <laughs> yes. And I just I I think I mean we've been so frustrated that we we can't have access to testing. I mean we would know so much more. Yeah. If we could have access to testing, but can you imagine if we completely underestimated it and we didn't enact any sort of like cautionary Mm -hmm. measures and more like just in it just there if there were that many more deaths because of that like how I I just I just think that would be so much worse
0: yeah it's kind of the argument for from caution um you know for being cautious and uh and 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 maybe measure and I think those those conversations are good and caution is a good thing and I think Unfortunately, what happened, though, it seems to me like there was this kind of monolithic, like, we have to be really cautious on this. And then suddenly, they took, like, two months for people to realize, oh, yeah, crashing the economy actually kills people, too. Like, we should talk. It became this, like, do you care about lives or money? Like, well.
1: There's lives on both sides.
0: Yeah. Okay. I didn't read this, but I heard a statistic uh, from a really smart guy that. Every up. therefore, to, it's truth. Yeah, every 1%, and it's it may not be this, and we can look it up, but it's something. Every 1% increase in um, unemployment pans out to 30,000 more deaths an- annually. So maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's 50,000. It's something. People, yeah. you know, not having money. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, so far, we've had a 15% increase in unemployment. That's 450,000 people. That's a lot of people. That should have been part of the, but I think if, uh, unfortunately, I hear like, if you want to talk about that, you're a murderer, you don't care about, I'm not saying you're saying this, but this is where I see the polarization online. Like, hey, we should talk about the economy. Oh, you just care about your 401k. And it's like, uh, wait a minute, I thought we cared about poor people, yeah. <laughs> you know, last month. And now like, we don't care about them. And again, this is where I think, uh, yeah, long form conversation, can just help. Sort some of this out. Um,
1: We've sorted nothing. I think we
0: have. I think we have. I hope. What I think, what I think, I, I feel is that. Well, yeah, we're not going to get to a lot of answers because it's just frankly a lot of confusion. Is that um, acknowledging the the complexity and difficulty in moving <laughs> past? Um, it, d- decrying the, simp- the simplistic approaches of like, well, like I just said, oh, you just care about money. Like, well, that's not helpful. Or
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the medical community can't be trusted. Like, well, are you gonna go to the doctor next time you get sick? Like, you probably do trust them. But also trust the experts. It's like, well, sometimes. and which, yeah. mm-hmm. I think introducing that level of nuance can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like nailing down where all this, is, and I don't have the information, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna have a gut feel this afternoon, and decide whether I'm going to go outside or not, and uh, and whether I'm going to wear a mask. And it's, it's yeah, operating from a great place of ignorance, for sure. Um, let me ask you this. Go ahead.
1: Well, oh, I was just going to ask, like, wh- why why is the mask wearing such a big deal? I can understand by g- shutting down the government. It, that's a, sure. a really big deal. But why I, not?
0: It's like a simple ask. Just so, wear the mask.
1: Well, and it's it's like people are waiting to to see proof that masks work before wearing them versus we know masks don't actually hurt. Right. I mean, if if masks hurt, like what what do we think surgeons do all day? Do we just have a new surgeon every day because, oh, they wear a mask all day, now they're dead because masks kill you. Like, I don't know, it's just like, well, why is it so hard? Why is it, why are we so against just doing it?
0: Sure. Um, I guess there's some degree of just, like, uh, no, I won't be controlled by you, especially if I don't trust you. Like, you literally, you don't know the information, and you are uh, making totalitarian moves, and and screw you. And now you're telling me, I have to push a freaking shopping cart? Like, the level of control that that we see looming is just insanity. And maybe it's a signal of, like, no. And maybe that's not the right thing, but I could see someone saying, I'm not – no, you're not micromanaging our lives this way. You don't even know the information. You don't even know the numerator or the denominator, and you're telling me where I can shop, where, whether or not my church can gather, whether I can visit my family. Then I have to wear a freaking mask. Like, it's, the level of intrusion is like offensive, Like, ba- based on really bad information. Every year, why don't we... Let me ask you, so how many deaths would it take for for you to say this
1: is your status i didn't respond yeah.
0: to it yeah so we know there's people die of it like people yeah. die of heart disease and we could shut down a lot of those numbers make certain foods illegal make people exercise like we could do this car car accidents you know tens of thousands of car accidents every year we could we could shut that down shut down the economy and those people don't die uh, the flu right however some people say it's 10,000 some people say 60,000 whatever It's tens of thousands of deaths we don't make people wear masks so it's kind of like I think that's an important question, which hasn't been answered. What is the number? Yeah. Because if you're willing to control society this much, why not? What, what about next year? Are we going to do this for the flu? What other? So again, it's, it's slippery slope ideas about what is the role of government, the level of control they should be allowed to have, and what's your number, Kylie?
1: I don't have a number. <laughs> I think I have more of a how long it takes for, for death to happen as a result of something, right? So like you have unemployment And then you have a length of time before like, like one person being affected by unemployment, they don't die in two weeks Right. with COVID with infectious disease in general. Sure. You, you die very soon. Okay. If, if if you were going to get it bad enough, you were going to die shortly. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's, that's how I can like categorize it much easier. I can say, okay, let's just worry about the short term deaths first. Because we know whether or not we know the death rate of COVID, we know people die from COVID and we don't know very much about COVID. We know a crap ton about the flu. We do. We know. We know so much more. We know how patients respond on ventilators. We know certain ventilator settings that respond more. We know ranges that we want their CO2 to be in yeah. to help them with the drive to breathe. debris. Like we, we know all of these things about the flu. It's been studied for years and years and years and years and years. We don't ha- we have we don't know anything about coronavirus
0: well right so they know it's going to be this many and that many's fine thirty thousand it's great we're not going to shut down the economy and make people wear masks I
1: mean we're still studying the flu because it's not okay it's not okay for these people to die from what we think is something but it's okay enough to
0: not shut everything down
1: yeah I guess yeah and so and so I think we I'm 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 happy to see something start to open up again I, I don't I don't think we should Ooh. be. Locked in inside for months and months and months and months and months. I think we need to test. Okay, if we open things up in three weeks from now, right? So if, if the incubation period lasts up to fourteen days, maybe three weeks from now, if we see a, if we start to see an increase.
0: Okay, let me. Uh, how much time you got? I'm gonna go. We could go forever.
1: I mean, I could go okay. a little bit longer. Okay,
0: there. so I I would say if we see an increase, I I imagine we're gonna see an increase. And that's why I think people feel like the goalpost has been moved. The goalpost has been moved from flattening the curve to not overwhelming the medical uh system to no we increase can- no increase. holy crap that's the if that's the standard, we're staying in lock. of course there's going to be an increase like ta-
1: exponential right. sorry okay, I'm not just okay. saying increase because our cases in Iowa have not ceased to increase yet right, and we've been opening we've started to open things up, and so you do have people arguing. Why the heck are we opening things up when we're still seeing an increase in cases? I think when I think when we start to see exponential increase, that we need to think maybe we should. Mm, I don't. I don't know. What that lo- <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. I don't, What's the I number? Don't, I don't have to make those decisions.
0: I know, but know? the people that do aren't saying, okay, here's the level of exponential increase and why it would. At which point we would determine no, because it.
1: because the media is never going to tell you that stuff, and the government's not going to tell you that stuff. I
0: know. So it makes it very hard to operate I, under yeah,
1: that. Yeah, and. Scientists are frustrated. Medical people are frustrated at yeah. at being at being put in those same boxes as the government and as the media.
0: So and and maybe you know said so what did we accomplish today? I think that is a helpful distinction. Like, again, yes, the government, the and and government intertwined medical like WHO like. We read some stuff about the WHO. Yeah, like, I
1: mean, I'm a little skeptical of them for some.
0: Yeah, yeah, and already, so that I think that's a helpful distinction versus the nurses down at, um, you know, at the hospital dealing with the people. Like, yeah. So I, I that's how I think through. it. I hope that's how people think through it. And I think that that would be a helpful distinction when you talk or when you just process this stuff. Is that uh, there's a difference between Kylie and her colleagues? They're not going into work thinking about how they're going to manipulate the world, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're literally just to trying see to help people
1: suffering. Yeah, right? and when and I'm not in a field where I'm caring for people with coronavirus, but there are I have friends that are. Yeah, and they're seeing it, and they're like, if we can prevent this, like let's do whatever it takes. Like that's because they are firsthand seeing that suffering. I mean, they're literally holding whatever up their it takes saying, that's. Literally though, and 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 you know you're not they're not breaking it down, but they're right. literally like if we can avoid this, like I want to avoid.
0: Yeah. this. Yeah. So was it a, a Cuomo and you know New York said something something like if we can save one life, you know this has all been worth it, and that's where I just go that's just not true. That's yeah. a nice little cliche, but yeah. it's just not. We accept the fact that life brings death, yeah. right? And I don't. And when people aren't saying that, when the governor. Well, whatever, I forget if he's the mayor or the governor. I think he's the mayor of New York. Um here, yeah. if sits up there and says something like that that is not true, and the media just like, again, this isn't about the medical community. The media just falls, oh, look at this, such honors. And it's just like that's one of the dumbest things that's ever been said. One life <laughs> like is just not true. And it's and yet there's not enough discernment. Uh, I don't know. uh, with the people surrounding him or reporting to just shut that down and you just let it run and so it becomes very frustrating so some of this has to do with i guess risk tolerance and sense of rebellion i mean there's i probably have a rebellious streak in me like when the guy told me to push a a shopping cart around audio i'm like no you're not telling like telling me to push a shopping cart i'm not gonna shop here it's your store and you have the right to do that but i don't even know why and then two days later i don't need it again like is the wait is the shopping cart necessary or not? Like, why are you, what are you doing? Like,
1: so it's, it's harder for you to, to see like why potentially they could be asking, like you pushing a shopping cart is not bringing you harm. No. So what, So like, what do you, do you, it's like so confusing sure. yeah, for yeah. me. It's so yeah. confusing for me. Like why, why do we say like, love what? our brothers and sisters, love people. And then, we're ah, like, here we, we go. Like what? But I'm, I'm not going sure. to wear a mask or push a shopping cart because that's, it's offensive that you would ask me or that you would order, not sure. ask, order you would me to do something.
0: So would you say that God would say the loving thing to do is to go to and shop and push a shopping cart?
1: No, I think that's legalism.
0: Okay. But I feel like you just nuanced it that way. Like why, we're saying we should love each other. So and therefore it seemed like the implication was that I would push the shopping cart. Otherwise, I'm not being loving.
1: Yeah, if you were going to insist on shopping there.
0: Right, right, which I didn't. Right. And that's, yeah, I don't think so. That's their policy. That's their, like I watched a video the other day, of some guy at Costco did not, you know, refusing to wear a mask and they came and took his cart and he's whining about it. And I'm like, that's, no, I agree with that. It's their policy. Um, and they have to do that. And, and w- when we launch church services, we're going to have policies that, you know, sit every other, you know, we're going to have roads blocked off and all that. And we're trying to honor and the, so,
1: excuse I don't want to go to jail. OK.
0: And I want I don't want to go to jail. So, uh, yeah, I have a responsibility to or. So or, you're going to
1: tell people at your church then that they can't come in if they're not going to abide by that.
0: Right. OK. Oh, yeah, of course. So I get it. I mean, if but if that person says, I don't want to live under that level of control, I'm like, OK, great. They doesn't have to. I'm gonna saying the loving thing to do would be to come in here and sit your other loving thing to do is 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 not come in. Right. So we're operating within and the guy okay. that offered uh, me that's fair. yeah, the guy that offered me the shopping cart it's not his fault frankly. He's just doing what the upper, you right, know, right. higher ups told him, but
1: Because everyone's scared of a lawsuit, right? They don't want to have open up their stores and have someone get COVID and then die right. and then sue Aldi. Yeah. It's that's
0: I imagine Redeemer's going to get sued into non-existence at some point. Oh. Um It's good. We're at an hour 20. This is good. Have I offended you?
1: No. I think you've helped me under have a little more compassion for, yeah, at the same time, but then I think about it and then I'm like, ah, oh, but just wear the
0: mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um,
1: because maybe it will. Maybe it will help.
0: And yet I'm still shocked that you're not wearing the mask at my house.
1: Yeah, I thought it'd be hard.
0: It's like an irony. It'd be hard
1: to talk. I did think it'd be hard to talk.
0: So unless you're going to ha- go somewhere where you're going to talk.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I wear it at work when I'm in close patient contact. I'm When I'm in a drive through I'm wearing it. I'm going to wear it when I go into a store. I wear it when I go to my OB appointment.
0: Okay, but...
1: I also I also think you haven't been wearing a mask. That's kind of an assumption, but I, I think that's true, whether you can tell me if that's true or not.
0: Oh, yeah. I wore it one time because I was required to at yeah. uh, whatever, someplace, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think, like, me wearing a mask doesn't protect me. It protects you. Right. And you're not concerned. I'm
0: already infected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm foul. We're going to Florida next week.
1: Yeah.
0: We're going to hit the beach and the restaurants and just get infected.
1: Yeah, maybe. Ooh.
0: Maybe. Um, yeah, we'll see. So, Kylie, thank you. Uh, My goal in this has been to push a little bit and have a conversation and nuance stuff but to love you I hope you've felt that way and yeah. not disrespected or no. because realistically yeah again I, I think we there's actually not a lot we disagree on Um, but that's my hope for us as a church is oh gosh how do is it possible for us to talk about stuff and and love each other I certainly hope so and we're gonna fail and there's grace for that but I hope it's a continued growth edge and I don't always succeed at it Um. I think it's easier face to face. I'm probably more offensive online than I am face to face. You know, yeah. there's a there's an yeah, anonymity. We're just more
1: easily offended online too. Like, we we think this we have this person has an agenda, so therefore, if they don't use a smiley face at the end of their sentence, then they're angry or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we, we can't, can't hear definitely. tone, yeah. and so I don't know. I go back and forth about the value of that, but again, I I think part of my passion and role is is a communicator, a speaker. A, a preacher, a prophet, like I just can't imagine going completely silent on that. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's helpful, maybe it's not. Some things are more helpful than others. Um, but face-to-face helps. I think we would. We usually talk to people differently. We will talk to people online in ways we won't talk to people face-to-face. <laughs> you know, it's like the keyboard yeah. warrior thing. Like, yeah. Because then, well, there's a lot of reasons. Some of it's fear, you know, fear of man kicks in. But also, um, we can see people. We see their eyes. See their humanity. Like right, climbing the hole with them. And yeah. um, so anyways, I appreciate you as a human. Thanks. And uh you. you guys at your your presence at Redeemer has been a big blessing and a joy and um yeah, and I'm I'm excited for you guys, your growing family and and yeah. uh yeah. So gosh, hopefully we weather this storm and get it's really interesting to see how this has just been so I mean, it makes sense. It's divisive because there's a lot at stake. There's lives at stake. There's jobs at stake. The entire, life, like, entire ways of life are at stake. And so, man, talk about shaking our idols up, you know, and that revealing, like, where we are. And So thank you. Appreciate it. This is the extended version, long form. So what do you got going on the rest of the day?
1: Just hanging out. I yeah? worked the past two days, so. I, you know, I saw Chandler when I put her to bed Wednesday night, and then I saw her this morning. so I don't get to see. So her Time when
0: to work. go back to your family. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I saw Aaron got a haircut. He did. You know, I offered him a haircut. I was thinking maybe he didn't trust I could do it. He didn't. He didn't he, trust he me. He didn't trust you. That's fair. He's, no, he's, he's never seen, seen he the work. He doesn't
1: trust me to do it either. I'm not. It's just that's all right. He wants to yeah. look good.
0: I yeah, know. man. You got to look tight, man. You know, that guy. You don't want to. want to mess that up. Yeah,
1: working from home. You know, he's got to look good. <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> what do you think about people driving around in cars with the windows up wearing masks?
1: That's so stupid. Okay. Well, just because they don't They don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, can we just hate them? Yeah, let's just, can we those just hate. Those one people. To be
1: united in Christ, we have to hate a common. Find a common yeah, enemy. And go. that's
0: them. It's the people
1: yeah.
0: in the cars.
1: It's always okay. the old people. It's always Oh, I've old. seen a lot of young people oh, I've like only that. seen yeah. I've only seen it with old people.
0: I've seen them on bikes, like riding bicycles down the street you know yeah i get it anyways god help us thank you kylie Thanks. everyone yeah. see you later